What would you do if you could do anything? Hi, everyone. Welcome to my very first episode in the Bite of Purpose series. These are little bite-sized episodes on topics that will help you discover, build, and grow purpose in your own lives. You will get one of these episodes at the start of each month, and I hope you find them useful. If you do find them useful, can you please tap that little subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify, as that really helps these episodes to reach more people. Now, on to today's topic, how to do hard things. When we hear stories of people who have done really remarkable things, top athletes, for example, or some of the women on this podcast who have created huge impact in their fields, we often wonder, how do they find the motivation or the stamina to stay the course? We sometimes tell ourselves that those people are somehow special, exceptional, not like the rest of us. But what if anyone was capable of remarkable things? Henry Ford famously said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. We are all capable of doing whatever we put our minds to. So is it just mindset that stands between you and your goals? Partly. Mindset is certainly a significant factor, and it comes into play in a couple of ways. Firstly, through limiting beliefs. Limiting beliefs are things that we have been conditioned to think about ourselves, which may not be true. For example, you may believe that you are not good at sports. This limiting belief may have directed what activities you chose to do in school, what friends you gravitated towards, and as an adult, may be standing in the way of things like weight loss or adopting a healthier lifestyle. Let's run with the sports analogy. Imagine you've always wanted to run a marathon. You want to feel that runner's high that people keep talking about. You want to feel the freedom of lacing up your shoes, hitting the pavement, and being alone with your thoughts for an hour. Maybe you want to lose a bit of weight and eat healthier, but you don't believe you could ever do this because you're just not good at sports. Examine that belief. Where did it come from? Is it really true? What sports have you tried? (laughs) Have you really been bad at every single one of them? Often these ideas about ourselves stem from experiences we may have had or things people might have said about us. Maybe you didn't make the cut for a school sports team. Maybe you had body image issues that meant you dreaded PE class as a child. Or maybe you had a sibling who was really good at sports. And because you weren't as good, you became the brainy one or the fun one. Maybe you just never found a sport that you liked. The fact is, it's unlikely that you are bad at all of the sports in the entire world, but you've been afraid to try to find the sport for you because of deeply held beliefs about yourself. The second part of the mindset equation is what's called expediency bias. The human brain may be brilliant, but it's also lazy and it often tries to take shortcuts. Our brains nudge us towards conclusions which seem obvious. Although what's actually happening is that we are arriving at these conclusions too quickly by jumping between data points without examining all of the information. A good example of this is the halo effect. The halo effect is the tendency to believe that certain positive or negative qualities about someone somehow influence other unrelated qualities. Lots of different experiments have found this to have a significant impact 
in impression forming. If you meet a candidate for a job interview and she is on time, appropriately dressed, and smiles when she speaks to you, you might think that she's kind and well-organized and a good fit for your team. But do you really have enough information to know that? Our brain has made a quick or expedient conclusion based on limited data. When you're starting a hard thing, you need to convince yourself every day to show up for it. You need to keep strapping on those running shoes, even if you are working late or your child is sick and it's the last thing you feel like doing. When your intention starts to waver, your brain will start telling you a lot of things. It will reinforce any limiting beliefs you already have about yourself and will come to the quickest conclusion, even if this isn't the right one. Why bother running today, it will tell you. You know you aren't good at sports. You're never actually going to run that marathon. Once you have identified the limiting belief and called it out for what it is, which is negative self-talk, which is not really grounded in fact, then reframe it. The thing about conditioned thoughts or persistence bias is that it tends to be general. Ever tried to catch a bullshitter in the act? Ask them a very specific question about the topic they claim to know so much about. So if you're trying to reframe a negative self-belief, be specific. The thought, I am bad at sports, could become, when I was a child, I wasn't good at basketball, but now I am a runner. Notice two things about the new thought. Firstly, the fact that it is much more specific also means that it's more likely to be true. What happened in the past is not always a good predictor of future behavior, and being good at one sport may have no bearing on your performance in another. Serena Williams, the greatest tennis player of our generation, who has more drive and persistence in her pinky than most of us have in our entire bodies, is a pretty average swimmer. And if you don't believe me, check out her own Instagram feed circa 2015 and you'll know what I'm talking about. Secondly, notice that I reframed the thought as, now I am a runner. James Clear talks about identity-based habits in my now favorite book, Atomic Habits. And I know I bang on about this book a lot, but, but honestly, it really will change your life. Identity-based habits focus on the person you want to become, not the outcome you want to change. It's much easier to do a really hard thing if you tie it to your identity. But we all know that forming a new identity isn't as simple as saying it. I can tell myself or others that I'm a vegan as much as I like. If I don't walk the walk, it doesn't make it true. You need to create evidence that supports your new identity. This also allows you to create a plan. What kind of person would run a marathon? What kinds of things would they do to accomplish it? A runner who is training for a marathon would probably put together a running plan. Maybe they'd run four times a week. They would probably do a mixture of long, slow runs and shorter, faster runs. They would open up their calendar and they would schedule in each of these runs. The body of evidence that supports your identity will filter into other parts of your life too. A runner would make sure they have their running gear washed and ready the night before a run. They might eat more carbs or more protein to fuel up for their long runs. They would join a running club. They would read reviews of running shoes. They would record their running times. Every time you do one of these things that a runner would do, you build more evidence in favor of your new identity. You become 
a runner. Doing hard things starts in the head. You set a goal and you unpack any beliefs about yourself that stand in the way of it. You start creating new beliefs about yourself by changing your habits. You are highly motivated. You are becoming a runner. But hard things take time. There is a limit to the amount of willpower even the most motivated people have. If you're using up a lot of energy and not seeing immediate results, it's easy to fall back into your previous habits. More important than motivation is environment. Because changing your mindset is certainly part of the equation, but it isn't the complete solve. A 2018 study published in The Lancet looked at what factors could persuade people to eat less meat. The team analyzed 22 different factors that could influence people's desire to eat meat, including increasing the price of meat, moving the meat to less convenient places in the supermarket, reducing meat portions, and increasing availability of meat alternatives. Interestingly, It was the environmental factors that had the most impact, reducing meat portions, moving meat to less accessible areas and stores, and providing more meat substitutes, together with serving suggestions, were better at changing meat-eating habits than simply increasing its cost. We like to think that we are in control of the choices we make, but in fact these decisions are made by little nudges we receive from our environment throughout the day. This doesn't mean we need to be the victims of our environments, though. We can also be the masters of them. When you are becoming a runner, fill your environment with cues that will support your new identity, your new habit. There are five basic habit cues that will support you in continuing to do your hard thing. The first is time. We probably don't even notice the time-based cues that fill our day. I always say that I'm no good to anyone before I've had my morning coffee. As soon as I wake up in the morning, I need a coffee. And while I definitely love the taste of a good coffee, the fact that I'm a coffee drinker most likely has more to do with the morning ritual I have created around it. To me, coffee signifies starting my day. The second cue is mood. What kind of mood makes you more or less likely to run? If you know that you're often tired at certain times of the day, maybe after work or after lunch, don't choose those times to do your hard thing. Thirdly, context. What kind of context would support your running habit? If you've decided that mornings are the best time for you to run, but you also know that mornings can be busy getting your family out the door for school and work, don't add more to your plate by also rummaging around for your running gear and shoes. Lay everything you need for your run out the night before. A friend of mine actually even suggested sleeping in your running gear. Try it. Make sure there are no additional barriers in the way of you and your new habit. The fourth habit cue is preceding action. Habits are often stacked. For example, every evening when I close my laptop, I start to feel hungry. The action of finishing my work for the day is a cue for what usually happens next. I eat dinner with my kids. Atomic habits suggest habit stacking to help yourself form new habits around your hard thing. If I've decided I'm going to run in the morning, I can tie this intention to a habit that is already ingrained. For example, 
Every morning, after I have my coffee, I go for a run. And fifthly, other people provide habit cues. The people around you have a huge impact on whether you can sustain doing your hard thing. If you are trying to kick a habit like smoking or drinking, going to bars and continuing to hang out with smokers or drinkers would make this really difficult. So surround yourself with people who are likely to support the change you are trying to make. I've recently paired up with an accountability partner for a writing project I'm taking on. And believe me, knowing that someone will be checking in with me has a huge impact on keeping me on track. If you want to run that marathon, find someone who wants to run it and sign up together. Join a running club and hang out with your running buddies after your run. The social part of the experience will play a huge role in making sure you keep showing up. We are all capable of doing remarkable things, but we have to create a strategy to achieve them. Firstly, define it. I want to run a marathon. Secondly, remove any mindsets that might be limiting your belief that you can do it. Thirdly, make it part of your identity and start building the evidence that the hard thing actually is part of your identity. And to continue to stay on the course, create an environment that makes it easy for you to keep doing your hard thing. I hope this little bite of purpose helps you show up every day for the hard thing that you are trying to achieve. Or maybe it's what you need to realize you can do it. Let me know what you think by writing a review or dropping me a message on Instagram or via my website. And you'll get another little bite of purpose next month. Bye.